0: Welcome, 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 my friends, to Sip, Smoke, and Savor. This is show number 18. We are live at B&B, Butcher's and Restaurant in Houston, Texas. My name is Cruz. But my partner, he and... Hasn't even picked up his microphone. He's lighting a cigar. How are you, my brother? Doing better now that I got my <laughs> cigar lit. Yeah, see, I'm I'm feeling like I'm behind on the on the <laughs> curve here. So uh, we are live at uh, the B and B. We call it the B and B, but it's actually B and B Butchers and Restaurant in Houston, Texas. Uh, courtesy of our uh, good friend Jeremiah Butler, who we've had on the show yeah, before. Yeah, he's a blast, and uh, he set us up so we could come out here on their uh, awesome, um, what do you call this? This Is it a balcony? Is it an outdoor? veranda Balcony Terrace. There we go. It's a terrace. Thank you, Bobby. Um, (laughs) Nice view of downtown, and we have, like, uh, the ability to sit out here and smoke. And I told Ian, I said, let's do this. Let's record the show, and then let's just stay and smoke and drink all afternoon. And, like, the truly thoughtful Renaissance man that he is, he looked at me kind of deeply troubled and said, how early can we start? So that's, right. <laughs> that's that's why I like hanging out with this guy. So, so uh, Jeremiah Butler will be joining us a little bit later on the show, and we're also proud to announce that uh, Jonathan Wingo from Balvenie is here. That guy's crazy, and yeah, Love well, that guy. we've uh, we've had a chance to hang out with him before, but this will be our first chance to have him on the show. That's so, right. That's right. Uh, so we're really excited about that, and we'll be talking about. Uh, uh, Balvenie's uh, amazing scotch, and we'll be talking about their uh, relationship with Anthony Bourdain, who, by the way, kind of pissed all over craft beer this week in an interesting <laughs> little uh, interview. So we'll talk about that, but really the big news, and, and you know, this show is heard all over the world, but we are, we uh, Ian and I both live in Houston, Texas. This right here. This is where we're, you know, we're very, you know, kind of connected with the local brewing scene and the local... You know, smoking scene, uh, local establishments like here at the B&B. And so it is big news for us here in Houston and all over Texas uh, that was announced actually earlier this morning that Carbach Brewery, one of the hottest up-and-coming they've craft been, breweries really in the country, They've but been growing like here. madness over yeah, just the last few amazing. years. Amazing. They were just acquired by Anheuser-Busch, AB InBev. Yep. So this is a big moment in a craft beer's Development and what does it mean? We'll talk about that. Does it? Is it mean? Does it mean good things? Does it mean bad things? Is it impossible to tell? We'll talk about that. All coming up on the show. So, uh, so we have all of that coming up. Plus, there are, uh, you know, election is coming up. I'm sure you've probably by now figured out who you're voting for. So
1: scared. Yeah. Well, aren't we all? <laughs> i so
0: uh, But in four states, not only will they be uh, voting in the weirdest presidential election ever, uh, they'll also be voting on whether or not to raise taxes on cigars. So talk about that a little bit what that uh, what that all means and smoking bans on outdoor uh, spaces are growing, so we'll talk about that as we enjoy a really awesome outdoor space here uh, on Washington Avenue. I love the Houston roof State. of this place. It's yeah. uh,
1: it, it's like a louvered roof that they can open up or close depending on the sunshine
0: and the rain. It's mm-hmm. really yeah, interesting. It's very very cool. And we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about this establishment a little more too because uh, they're truly awesome. Ian, usually in the first segment here, I ask you if you've smoked anything interesting this week, but instead I'm going to say you're lit up. I haven't even lit up yet. Uh, tell me uh, f- just very briefly about your first impressions of what you're smoking right now. Well,
1: this is an Ashton VSG. I actually haven't smoked this size. This is a Churchill, and this is um, 8 by 50 something Yeah, that's, a, that's guess. a nice it's big It's a big one, yes. size cigar. I wanted it to last the whole show. And that
0: came from the humidor, here, came from at the humidor at, uh, here at b I noticed how well-stocked the humidor was. Not a large humidor, but large enough to it's, house the It's BSGs. small
1: and well curated. Yeah,
0: very well curated. The yes. BSGs...
1: um, You're not going to find any of my lawn mowing cigars here.
0: (laughs) That's for sure. Uh, They had the Opus Axe in there. They had had the uh, Anniversario, the um, Mm -hmm. uh, Padron. And uh, Uh, I picked out out an El Centurion, which is uh, from my father's cigars. Which I've had one of these before, but it's been a long time and I don't remember it that well. So I'm excited about it. Plus, I'm excited about how this may pair with the whiskey we're going to be tasting uh Mm. i picked mine specifically because of that yeah
1: i was uh uh i was let on ahead of time what we
0: were going to be tasting so Mm -hmm. i picked my cigar around that choice well this is one of you know usually when we do the show in the studio it's you and i bringing in you know the spirits and the beers and and talking about cigars that we've smoked earlier in the week that's right In, in this particular case it all kind of comes together right at the beginning of the show so this is this is a lot of fun for us and we're uh we're We're pretty excited about uh, the entire afternoon. So, so your thoughts on the vsG, What do you think? Is it uh...
1: it's a big, beautiful cigar. It starts off really nice right from the beginning with a little bit of uh, a little bit of campfire, but not in a bad way, and uh, a little bit of spice on the tongue and mellows out almost immediately. I'm barely barely a half inch into this cigar and it's already got a big, beautiful smoke. Uh, the wrapper is immaculate on it. The heel on this, the heel cap is absolutely fit. I always prefer a punch on a cigar, too, for whatever reason, yeah. uh, when I can get away with it. You know, I'll punch right. it, and if it if it draws a little tight, then I'll clip it. But this draw is perfect. The pre-light draw was perfect. Um, the pre-light taste has a little bit of coffee and mocha kind of uh, in it as well. And then when you light it up, you lose a little bit of that, but you gain just a lot of other nice, big, bold flavors.
0: Well, I... I just, while you were uh, describing that, I just lit up the uh, El Centurion, and uh, I'm not sure if I've got it all properly lit, so I may have to touch it up, but uh, uh, I loved the first blush of it. It was just a, uh, it was kind of, a, do you know what I mean when I say it was a big tobacco taste? Yeah. But not in a not in a harsh or unpleasant kind of way. It was just like like taking like in classic the tobacco leaves kind of and of the taste. earth right. uh, and the whole, like, tobacco experience like that kind of a vibe and um it's uh, i'm i'm interested to see how this smokes as it as it warms up but uh, so far great first impressions. well so.
1: i think i used the term earlier campfire i think that's kind of what i mean by that a little bit mm. you know it's well, a so, you know, classic think... cigar kind of
0: okay so that's interesting that you explain that because when i think campfire i think more of that sort of woodsy uh, sort of mesquite like there are some new cigars see, out can there that tell, have we can tell some you of live that. in Texas because yeah. when you think of a campfire, you think of mesquite. Well, see as <laughs> as someone who enjoys uh, grilling uh, with like a real actual charcoal grill as opposed to the uh, my wife is great with the gas grills, which is awesome because I just let her do it because I because I right, right I don't care about the gas grill, but <laughs> if it's charcoal, if I get to build the fire, oh yeah. But yes, it's always about mesquite. i I've, I've done hickory plenty of times and it's good. But it's never as good as the mesquite, and we're talking on fish, we're talking on steaks, chicken, sausage, the works. So I'm so a believer now, in the mesquite. I will tell
1: you, I have over mesquited before, and it turns oh, yeah, it turns your food a little astringent. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> so,
0: so here's here's how I really... just invented that word over over mesquited. Yes, uh, I believe we've coined a new one, <laughs> and I think we're going to re- coin a, a new phrase before the show is over too. All so, right, over mesquited <laughs> and a new phrase, all in the all in show number eighteen. Um, I was. Uh, like just I got to the point where I was experimenting with different woods um in making uh, charcoal grill fire. You know, sort of like viewing myself as if I were like a cigar blender or a, a, a brewmaster or something. Right. Combining the different Well, I'll use the mesquite wood chunks and then i'll take these applewood chips and uh, i tell you what i have some good barbecues though you get some nice blends yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> i i don't know if it qualifies at the same sort of scientific and like we start talking out about cigars and chef. now we're
1: blending smoke
0: <laughs> for burning firewood for a... <laughs> that's great well uh i'm very excited about um about all that we're going to sample and taste today and we have to talk about the um you know the Carbach thing because this is just such big news. In that uh, just beer. dropped today, and dropped today, and it's not unprecedented. Uh, Goose Island in Chicago, another brewery that I love. In fact, we, you and I have gone to a, a Goose Island event together. That was, uh, True. That was held fantastic. a few months ago. That was awesome, and the beers were fantastic. Um, but they also were over the last year, I believe, acquired by the same company. Right. So this is you know this is a question that has it's about more than just beer, but at its most important level it's really about the beer how is this going to affect the beer what's going to be the uh you know the end what's the end game for a company like Carbach? do they become you know just more of a generic type of thing do they retain their identity there's there's so many questions asked so I'm really excited about having uh Jonathan Wingo on the show today because I think he can provide some insight to us in terms of like medium-sized companies, large companies, uh, because of his experience with, you know. industry experience, with right. With the industry, right. Even though it's spirits, I think there's going to be a lot of similarities. A lot of parallels, so, yeah. So looking forward to that. Also, while we're talking about um, being acquired, there's another big piece of, of Houston news, and that is, and you and I both have friends there, Sirius Cigars has been acquired by Tobacco U.S. USA. i read USA. about that. Yeah, so this is, a, this is another, you know. Oh my gosh what happens to him type of question. Uh Tabacalera owns among other things JR Cigar, the big right, mail right. order and the, and you know JR also like serious cigars, you know started out as a very independent thing and they had you know stores here and stores there and then got acquired and now they're you know the the tone of JR Cigar has changed over the years. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know how that will I don't it's know if that will impact serious in the same way. It's turned
1: into such a big online powerhouse too. Well, it really like, did. You're going to yes. buy cigars. Yeah,
0: it's it's a uh, it, so it's it's a big question, and I think it's a bigger question than just a cigar question and a beer question because it's also about how business works in the economy in right. the United States and, and in, in the world. So uh, looking forward to uh, chatting with Jonathan about that. We're going to do that in the next segment. Uh, and I also am very excited about him bringing in some uh, some Balvenie uh, Scotch because he's, uh, I think, that's that's the original idea. We do this for the samples, right? Well, that's exactly right. We said that when the show began. <laughs> like, There's a lot of different reasons to do this, but the number one reason Samples. Samples. Yes. So, uh, so we'll be we'll be doing that and uh, sampling some amazing scotch and uh, giving you a report on how that uh, works with these cigars. Uh, coming up in the next segment, it is sip, smoke, and savor. Thank you for listening to show number eighteen.
2: On the beach in Hawaii. You
0: were here with me. Walking on It's the Sip, beach. Smoke, and Savor, the show that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand rolled cigars. My name is Cruz, my partner Ian Barry. We are live at B and B. We call it the B and B. That's just what we call it here, but it's really B and B Butchers and restaurant, and it is located on Washington Avenue, eighteen fourteen Washington Avenue, with a in, nice in full Houston. view of downtown right well, here. On this the, is, you know, and, and on the roof. Just before we bring in uh, Jonathan, I wanted to mention this. There's, we'll get to the story later in the show, but there's so much pressure on businesses now, uh, and you know, both tax pressure and legal pressure, not to do what the B and B has done here, which is to create a space outdoors. For people to be able to smoke, whether it's, uh, you know, cigars or, or even if it's just a general smoking area. Um, they do this. They have to go to extra expense to do this. They put in, I don't know, Ian, can you describe what that, what is that roof like? It's open. It's it's, it's like the it's Superdome. You, you can, uh, or it's <laughs> like. Yeah, it's c- completely
1: louvered. It's like if you take, if you take your, your. Uh, Blinds from your window and turn them sideways and put them above your head. Then you can open them up so that you let the sunlight in, or you can close them up and let any amount of shade or
0: or or if it starts to drizzling or whatever, yeah, 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 you can can close them. Nice. My point is, they went to some expense to do this, and I want to. That's one of the reasons I want to just give them the hugest plug ever and let you know. If you're in the Houston area, come and visit these guys. The food is also great here, which we'll talk about a little bit later too. But 1814 Washington Avenue, and they have invested in giving people like you and I a place to come and smoke and drink and enjoy you know, the things that this show is all about. And we have to support the businesses that, that do that. I, I just think it's imperative if we don't. The, the regulations and the taxes and all that stuff is going to make it to where it's not worth it for them yeah. and maybe not even legal and well some they also cases, have so. they also put out these nice uh, cigar ashtrays and everything like this is oh, really yeah.
1: geared it's, towards that
0: it really is and it's not yeah. if you're a cigar guy and you're in uh, in the Texas area anywhere you're in Houston come by and visit these guys they will make it worth your while and as I mentioned the food's great too all right let's bring in Jonathan Wingo Jonathan is uh, with uh, balvany and actually you're you're with The larger company, but is kind of your specialty, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's
3: right. So um, the family is called William Grant & Sons, Mm -hmm. Um, and I I think it's going to play into the rest of the show, but we're still an independent family, owned and operated. Uh, We're in the fifth generation now, and so when they started, um, William Grant, the guy, William Grant, Mm -hmm. built Glenfiddich, and then five years later built Balvenie. Um, so yeah, I get to work for the, the family, um, but I do work. I just look after Balvenie here. Uh. So
0: is Glenfiddich still part of the portfolio? Yeah, or absolutely, is that, yeah absolutely, So so, uh, so what else? What other brands are, are in the
3: family? Yeah, so going the whiskey route, um, our blend is Grant's, um, not not so well known here in the states, but massive overseas. Right. Um, and we have Monkey Shoulder. Uh, we have. Oh, we love the Monkey. We shoulder. We have Monkey Shoulder on the.
0: I think Ian, that show. was the first. Whiskey that you brought to the show for us to do a whiskey taste in the very early days of the show of the show, wasn't it? Might have been one of the earlier yeah. ones because right. it's the one that has the three monkeys yeah. on the bottle, right? Yeah, I, oh, I wish
3: you good. guys could see their eyebrows. Both of their eyebrows just shot up. <laughs> yeah, no, that's us. <laughs> oh, uh, the monkey shoulder, yeah, the monkey
0: shoulder. that stuff's
3: good. <laughs> we have uh, actually a craft uh, distillery here in the states called Hudson. Um, if Ooh. you're familiar with Hudson, uh, they're from Tuttletown Distillery uh, in upstate New York. But then uh, the family expanded, and they they wanted uh, larger portfolio. So if you've heard of Hendrix Gin, uh, oh, yeah. yes, we, we built Hendrix I had Gin. Hendrix the other night. <laughs> it's a lovely gin. Um, but Sailor Jerry Rum, uh, f- we look after uh, Florida Cognac here in the U.S., uh, and then we built Reka, a uh, uh, vodka distillery. There's a tiny little Irish whiskey you may have heard of called uh, I love is, Tullamore Dew, which is It's so good, and it's not <laughs> yeah. not that small. Yeah, I love of, them. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, that's awesome!
1: So I have a little clay jar of that. You know, they had a series that came in a clay jar
0: at one
3: point in time. Oh yeah, the little crock. Yeah, the crock. Croc. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I love it. Well, um, if if you could choose any brand, I mean, is this the brand that you enjoy the most in terms of you know interacting with it daily? Is is Balvenie? Is yeah,
3: it's um, it's funny you ask that because. Uh, how I came into this uh, I had a whiskey shop in New York And I was pretty passionately agnostic About brands and About your favorites and yeah. Brand, yeah. I, I wanted to celebrate categories And at, at that time it was American Craft Whiskey That was what was coming in
0: Where were you in New York and is it still there? Or? Yeah
3: it's still there, it's called the Whiskey Shop um, Looks far better than when I was there Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Turns out the the one-man show was not a good good run for me. Uh, but, yeah, no, they take great great care of it. I worked with this great family, uh, the Rotolo family, who have this fantastic whiskey empire in New York, and they wanted to do a shop, uh, so they brought me along um, to, to run the shop for them. And uh, we had this great little baby in Williamsburg, is where it was, in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're familiar with, with the Hipster Kids... They love that. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, we had just a tiny shop, and I would uh, sing the song of American Craft Whiskey. And I always had a shelf that had Belveni on it. Um, and when I was kind of asked about it, it was about um, transparency of process. Mm-hmm. I love to talk to craft s- distillers about how they make their whiskey and why they made certain choices. And uh, with Belveni, that's just kind of what they've been doing for 120-plus years. Right. Um, so if I was in an opportunity to sing the song of a distillery that I think needed to be sung a lot, louder um then that would be the one that i would choose to work with um and i'm sure this is going to come up uh later but there's a special there's a special um overlap i think between uh, independent distillery and what you can get flexibility and being nimble and being mm-hmm. able to do some fun creative projects but also be large enough to have the resources to execute those well, that's and right it's a kind of a funny uh, tightrope that we have to walk and especially in the craft world where you want to big up all the folks that are, you know, they've sold off there's on their second mortgage of their house. This is their, right. this is their mm-hmm. life. And maybe their whiskey's not that great. Right. You are just like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Like keep trying, you know? Um, <laughs> but then you <laughs> also have the other side, which is just, you know, completely automated pumping out right. bajillions of juice, bajillions of liters of juice. And, um, it's hopefully they'll come out with some new marketing program that makes it look in a new light. And you're just like, Oh, it feels so disingenuous. Uh, and so it comes back to the juice, as you were right. saying, it's about the beer or about the whiskey. It's about the case. beer
0: or about the whiskey. Well, speaking of, tell us what you have uh, you have brought for us. Uh, we were hoping uh, that uh, what what you're uh, what you're going to uh, allow us to sample here today will pair nicely
3: with these cigars that we picked out. So, yes.
0: Uh, so this is uh, this is exciting for us. So, yeah. This uh, was
3: perfectly chosen for the concept of cigars. So. Um, this is the 14 year old Caribbean cask um, and just to kind of break down what all that means, um, for us uh, it's 14 years in American Oak. Um, so a nice bourbon cask um, and what that's going to translate for the, the palate and for the nose should be a lot of vanillin, a lot of oil, a lot of uh, vanilla nose uh, and flavor so it should be super approachable from the get-go. But after that 14 years we put it nine months uh, because it's called Caribbean cask or we call it Caribbean Cask because we put nine months in a rum cask. Uh, and that rum cask is also American oak. So you're getting this really great spice from the rum. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can get it on the nose. It's kind of like a almost an overt sweetness. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it turns into just a little spice at the tip of your tongue and a lot of oil. And I think uh, uh, that's been uh, my most successful pairing for cigars. That's, this is really
0: interesting because um, <clears throat> Ian and I were both able to attend uh, one of the tasting nights that you did. A month or two ago. Yeah, that was uh, downtown. That was downtown and um, got to taste this for the first time there. But there it was in the context of four different whiskeys, you know, from your line. So I, I always, as much as I enjoy those, sometimes what I enjoy almost more is saying, okay, really like that. I'm excited to get back to a situation where I'm sitting down and having just that whiskey or just that beverage and maybe a cigar and see how it plays because I I think sometimes at the tastings your palate just kind of goes oh my god this is great and just loves everything you know what I mean (laughs) yeah yeah no absolutely
3: and I think it's something that we think about and struggle with uh at least in my job because a lot of my job is education and awareness and just getting people the way I approach it is getting people excited about scotch in that context I think it's really nice to have smaller sips uh, across the line and then Basically, what that's creating is success for a palate to be like, oh, I taste differences. This is good. I'm participating. I get it. But that's not drinking, right? That's right. that's appreciation. That's right. sipping. And what we are uh, uh, trying to get people on board with is finding their favorites and finding what they're going to want to come back to. And it's really hard to do that if you're getting, yes. you know, a quarter ounce or a half ounce, and maybe you drink in the context of cigars or in company, or right. you just got laid off, right? You're not gonna have a quarter ounce and be like, "Oh, that was that was, that was a I really got simple. those <laughs> notes. That was really great <laughs> notes." You know, you wanna you wanna have well the whiskey. Well said. Um, well said. So yeah, I, I, we talked about maybe like social nights, right? So we right. come to a bar and just let people know. We'll send out a tweet. Hey, we're gonna be uh, whatever bar downtown. Uh, between these times, come say hi, mm-hmm. uh, and then we'll do, you know, responsible, <coughs> legally responsible. Of course, yes. Uh, drinking though, it'll be more mm-hmm. focused on. Let's enjoy the beverage. Let's enjoy the, the right. conversation outside the of the experience glass. Experience of this beverage, Absolutely. right? As
1: opposed to, and uh, you don't get me wrong, I love the tasting the experience. Things, it's one awesome. of the things I find that helps me get to know a whiskey. Is uh, I'll try it like, like we have it here, where you, uh, just a splash of water. To open it up and, uh, and try it neat. And then one of the things I like to do is I like to try it with a cube of ice. And I like to hold it in my hand and I like to try it when it's cold from the ice. And then as the ice melts down and it warms back up and just tastes through all the different flavors that open up as it goes through those changes. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like by the next time I'm trying this whiskey, I really kind of know the profile pretty well. And the depths of it, maybe. Do yeah. you do yeah. that with beer too? Like yeah, you absolutely. get a yeah, cold
3: beer
0: and let it warm up
3: and see where yes, it's. Yeah. Absolutely,
0: and that's that's really important because uh, I'm a fan of cold beer, but I do love taking some of the beers that I like the most and tasting the difference between them at something closer to room temperature. So, um, so this is I've already. Uh, Sneaked a little taste of this, but I want to come I back as well. in the next segment and uh, talk about this and talk about how it's pairing up uh, with the cigar. Plus, I think you also, as a bonus, you may have brought us some really cool and rare uh, craft beers today. So. Yeah, he made my day easy. I didn't ever yeah. bring anything. Just your sunny disposition, Ian. <laughs> it's Sip, Smoke, and Savor. It's the show all about uh, craft beer, uh, craft spirits, and fine cigars. We'll be right back. You're listening to Sip, Smoke, and Savor, the show that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Cruz and Ian Barry, your hosts, Uh, we are uh, thrilled to be joined today by... Uh, Jonathan Wingo from Balvini, and uh, we're going to bring uh, Jeremiah Butler from B&B in on this segment too. How are you, Jeremiah?
2: Good, man. Thanks for having this me again.
0: Is, see, you've you've been on the show before. That you're at this point, you're an old friend. So uh, I'm happy to be so. here, and thanks for hooking us up with uh, the ability to do the show out here today. Oh, uh, this is
2: great terrific. place to smoke a cigar and look at the city. So
0: we were just tasting this uh, Balvini, and I I just paired it up real nicely during the break uh, with a really nice hit on the cigar. And uh, wow, what a what a spectacular pairing! There's something about uh, that little spiciness right at the end of the uh, drink of the scotch that just uh, it marries perfectly with that next draw on the cigar. Uh, and I don't, and I suppose that that's just maybe like happy coincidence. Like I'm, I I don't suppose you can either craft the cigars or the whiskey to do that on purpose. It just Kind Sometimes you
1: just get that happy happenstance, yes. but I think there's a little oiliness to the um, to the liquor and that uh, rum spice that linger just enough, and and it blends well with the cigar. Like those two things just kind of go well together.
0: And so. tell us again, because uh, we haven't said in this segment. The what am I looking for when I'm looking for this in the store or, or on a menu?
3: Yeah, so this is the uh 14 year old Balvenie Caribbean cask. Caribbean
0: cask, okay. Mm-hmm.
3: So it's uh some people will know it as a rum cask finish, some people will mm-hmm. know it as the 14 year old, uh, but it's just a nice, uh, kind of golden package. Uh, and I, I think uh, this is another one that I use to help people who may not be convinced that uh whiskey is there favorite just yet um maybe they had a bad experience or something this is the thing that i would slide across the bar uh and recommend to this
1: is about the third time i've had this and i am finding it quite enjoyable um i am uh i'm very familiar with the uh double wood the 17 year old double wood and the 12 year old uh-huh. double wood and of which were spectacular. i've said it yeah i've said it on the show many times before but one of the things i do is i go out on my patio i choose a cigar i go out on my patio i light it up and when i get about an inch into the cigar after i've smoked a bit of it I go in and I start smelling my scotch, like I just pull the top and smell it, and a lot of times I end up with that double wood, like because it goes with so many things. Yeah, you know?
3: yeah. That's mm-hmm. I think um, when when the distillery characteristic is just looking for honey and vanilla, and you play within that range, it's mm-hmm. going to be very difficult to find something that's not going to be uh, enhanced by that, or it will. The thing that you're smoking will enhance the whiskey experience.
0: I think you're right about that, and what you said earlier too about it being. A good sort of—you uh, didn't use this phrase—but sort of a starter thing for people who are kind of just beginning to develop their palate uh, for whiskeys and for, for scotch. Uh, because I'm really a rum guy; I love mm. rum, and this is a very easy. If I, you know, if I were just starting scotch, this would be a very easy transition for me into this particular spirit because it just it brings out some of the flavors that I enjoy most, and the rums that I like are also present here, so it's a really easy sort of handoff. Well, you know? and
1: pro tip on, on tasting any any liquor, actually, you know, craft liquors of any sort, but scotch and whiskey especially, is get a good nose full of it. Like, get it mm-hmm. really in your nose and then take a sip because your nose your sense of smell is so much a part of the taste. You know, it's it's amazing how much difference that makes. If you just taste something blind, you don't take a second to, to smell it, you're getting basically just the front end of the flavor. You don't get to really enjoy it, but like what I like to do is get a good nose full of it, take a sip, let it rest on my tongue for a minute. And then after I swallow, I like to give a nice long exhale and you get just a whole bunch of great flavors yes. that you notice through the nose and the aftertaste mm-hmm. will come back. Such a nice experience.
0: Jeremiah uh, Butler from the B and B. You're responsible for curating what's on the drink menu here at the B and B. Yes, and the whiskey list and, and all the that. And the whiskey list and right. oh. so tell me about uh, tell me about first of all, how did you get that awesome job? And, and <laughs> <laughs> serendipity, my friend, serendipity. <laughs> and Lots uh, of hard work. Uh, but uh, but when you're doing that, um, um, you you look at what Balvenie has to offer. You're going to have X amount of room, I assume, to be able to put only sure. so many uh, whiskeys on your menu. So, how many do you choose, and how how do you go about how do you go about the process of saying, okay, they offer all of these products, I'm going to choose these two, or these three, or these four, however many you sure you put sure. On the menu.
2: And you know, fortunately for the Balvini fans out here, I think now I'm up to more like seven or
0: eight. Oh, uh, we love it. Um, love it. <laughs> but
2: uh, but no. So basically, um. You know, when I'm looking at a product or kind of how it fits into my, you know, back bar, uh, one of the big ones, obviously, is the quality of the craft itself, Um, you know, again, and and I'll just shamelessly plug William Grant while I'm on this, you know, everything from the monkey shoulder upwards is, you know, William Grant, they're very, very uh, selective and I would dare say even special, they've got just some amazing releases, so they kind of make it easy on me. they're very competitive price point wise obviously they do have some stuff on the very higher end but at, you know at BMB we like to have a spectrum because we do have some people that sure. really will jump in you know I mean, like for example um, and I have the, the Balvenie 30 which is easily one of the best drams I've ever tasted and you know we are very competitive price wise but you know we also like to have Balvenie's all the way down to the 12 or the 12 mm-hmm. year single bear mm-hmm. as well just to give people a range and then it's also really nice because you'll get people that for example like you know like like John was saying, you know, maybe they didn't know, and all of a sudden they get into this 14 year, and like they want to explore more. So it behooves right. me to hold lines that actually can can provide that ability. You know, with a Glenfiddich, I've got all kinds of strange releases as well. You know, the Balvini, they have different ages that are affected. You know, if you've got the 21 year Portwood. You know, the, the they just like the ton. You know, I believe they're on 1509 this year, but even before it was the 1407 or 1405. So they have both these approachable scotches and then these sort of specialized, you know, scotches as well. And that plays a huge part into getting onto the shelf here because if you're a one-trick pony, then I don't necessarily, you know, have a home for you.
0: Right. No, that makes sense. And uh, what I love about a place um, like what you've curated here is the ability to come in and go, okay, I know Balvini. I've had that uh, Caribbean cast. That's really good. What is that one like? And without having to go and purchase a bottle of it to find that out, I can have a drink or two at your bar and decide whether I'm getting one of these to come home to my bar. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And that
2: key is, you know, and something that, like, you know, again, I'll kind of piggyback on Jonathan with is, you know, we, we very much pride ourselves on having an educated staff so that when you come in, it doesn't do me any good to have seven different Balvenie releases if my bar staff doesn't know how to explain to you when you ask. right? So if I say,
0: here's what I like, recommend me exactly, something, which is one of my favorite things to 100%. say to a bartender. And even to uh, the extent
2: of how we pair it with our humidor, because mm-hmm. we you know, been, been able to sell cigars here and look and say, okay, like, for example, you guys were talking about the 14-year, and it's pairing with cigars. I always steal from the wine world and say, well, where's rum come from? Well, the Caribbean. Well, where do most cigars come from? Right. Well, the Caribbean. From well, that area of the if world. If it grows yes. together, it goes together. <laughs> That's kind <laughs> of a <like> wine <laughs> theory, but a lot of people seem to forget. Like you, you hit on smoking cigars with aged rums. They go together naturally because so it's, good. it's such a it's such a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. So now you take a whiskey, which is naturally paired in most people's minds with a cigar and you finish it in this beautiful Caribbean cask, I think it, it's already got a, a distinct advantage in pairing with a cigar.
0: Well, when you've got the vanilla notes especially, and they're nice and prominent in the whiskey, as I think you were saying earlier, Jonathan, that's that's something that's almost certain to pair well with the cigar. Yeah, sure.
3: Yeah. Uh, I think that it helps when something works really well. I think that there's, a, there's maybe something that kind of goes without saying, but um, when we talk about something... Uh, the whiskey's great don't get me wrong the whiskey's great but part of why I have the job that I do or why I decided to work with this distillery um, is for the same passion that Jeremiah has and that you, when you're telling a story it's really important that it's true right Right. Uh, and it's sincere but also that it's something that isn't just story. There's a reason why um, staff can be well-trained and that can be recommended and you can put yourself in good hands. And uh, I think that we often overlook that, especially my folks. We're, we're, part of my remit is to go out and train a lot of folks. I can't put in passion, right? You, you can't train right. that. I, but if it's there, if it's, if it's a hunger, and I think it makes sense in a lot of places, when you're going to come here, you're going to ask a lot of recommendations. Sure if you care a lot about your meat or if you care a lot about your cigar why would you not also care about the the wine that you're choosing or the whiskey that you're choosing and um, so i think that there's for me it's it's always a pleasure to come to a place where there's a focus on education um, to where yeah our whiskey is appreciated for not only the, the juice but the reason why there's eight there is because they believe in kind of how we're making our whiskey
0: Jeremiah what did I hear you say before the show started something about you oh, you uh, sell stories
2: yeah when you're selling good, nice, nice whiskey especially you know some of these are we'll call them not value priced they are, they, <laughs> they are somewhat so on the diplomatic higher, I love it on the on the higher end of your whiskey scale but the thing is is you know, and when I talk about selling the story, for example, you know, and Jonathan and I have talked somewhat at length as well as with John Franco is a place like Balvenie, it 's about the craft. you know if I can sit there and tell someone that the distillery has a, an actual cooper, like a barrel maker on site, they have a, a copper smith that tends to their stills on site i mean that's that 's a level of care that doesn 't necessarily go into every dram that you drink or see, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. when you know that you have You know uh, a a distillery that's that's putting that kind of care into their craft and then on top of that has a broad range of product I mean again it's almost like they've given themselves a distinct advantage in a place like here where I have the clientele for all ends of their spectrum whether you want to smoke or don't you know it's it's that's it's easy but it's about teaching your staff to know those things to know what makes Balvini special and why is it different from say you know, another scotch, you know, I won't even, I'm not even going to plug anybody else, but, you know, when when you have someone that can sit there and say, you know, again, like I'll, I'm very cheesy with my catchphrases, but, you know, like Balvini, it's like of the Balvini, by the Balvini, for the people. I mean, it's, <laughs> everything is there on site, which is a very, very old, old, old school way of know? doing it. Yes, and absolutely. I just, I have a deep appreciation for that, especially when it comes to things that have such a tradition like scotch making, you know, there's, there's, and, you know, with, with, Jonathan having that, you know, his whiskey shop in Williamsburg with a focus was on sort of this new movement of American craft, and that's awesome. And there's a lot of modern techniques mm-hmm. and a, a lot of modern styles coming out, but to know that you just have this sort of, vintage classic you know style of whiskey making and production it's just amazing
0: it's awesome and when we come back in the next segment uh i'd like both of you guys to speak uh to your thoughts on uh Karbach, the houston uh brewery being uh purchased by anheuser bush and what that might mean it's sip smoke and savor oh and we're also going to taste some amazing beer or what i have a feeling is going to be amazing beer uh coming up it's sip smoke and savor It's Sip, Smoke, and Savor. This is the show that's all about craft beer, uh, fine cigars, and uh, craft spirits. I, I don't always get those in the right order, but that's okay.
1: I love how you come on with a giggle because of what we were talking about well, right
0: before we started it, this. this. This often happens, and one of the things that Ian and I have discussed is actually um, uh, setting up a camera in the studio that just captures the between the segment stuff just because we think people might be interested right. in it. Yeah, <laughs> I would watch <laughs> yeah. yeah, sometimes the facial expressions. Yeah. Or like, you know, when when Ian, like, takes a break in between segments and, you know, goes to the boys' room or something, and I can look in the camera and speak honestly without you him do, in the yeah, room. Yeah, you can do the you know? camera confession. Yeah, right, kind of like on the reality shows, you know, where they get in the room and just uh, go, I don't know what he's talking about. Eh? He always says, turn up the guitar in my mix. I don't know what that means. So, um Guys, I want to talk. Well, I have both of you here because it's awesome to have the kind of you know uh, understanding that you guys have of you know what's going on in the spirits and, and beer industry and um, craft beer. Obviously, has gone through an explosion in the last five, six, seven years. Maybe uh, maybe the last ten is more accurate. Um, but one of the real success stories in Texas has been the Carbock Brewery on Carbock Street in Houston. And I remember being at the uh, beer uh, event in Galveston a couple of years ago. Yeah, when they were brand new. And when they were brand new, walking up, to I'd never seen them at a bar, never heard the name other than knowing the street. And walking up to them, asking them about their beer. They poured me some out of the uh, you know, a keg that they had there. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. Where can I get this? And they were like, nowhere. Like, I'm going to tell you right now. It wasn't even out
1: yet. I'm, I'm not... The biggest logger fan because yeah. I don't you know I like it's just a style to me that lacks a lot, but they made a logger that has turned me around. And it is absolute one of my favorite beers. Is their sympathy, sympathy for the logger? Lager. Amazing, That's a great it's such beer. a good beer, and That's like a great beer. you know, and, and it's all in a can. So if you're floating down the river or anything you're doing around mm-hmm. here where you're near water,
0: you can always bring a can. So these guys have rocketed to success, and their latest chapter in their uh, in their story. Is was announced this morning. I got up, you know, I slept in late this morning because I knew we were doing the show and I knew that Ian and I would probably be up late smoking and drinking. So I slept in this morning, woke up, looked at my phone. It was blowing up with people from all over saying, did you hear about Carbock? Did you hear about Carbock? And the news is that they've been purchased by Anheuser-Busch, which, by the way, already owns Goose Island. And uh, they already own um, uh, what is the one out of New Hampshire? Red Hook. They already own Red Hook, and they already own several oh, they've, other.
2: They've been snatching up craft yeah, breweries. Yeah, very
0: respectable for quite a while. craft breweries. I, I, said this before. I love Goose Island. I think they make great beer. Um, so Carbach, what, what does this mean? I will, I will add. And Bobby, our producer, sent me this story. Uh, it was a notation on Facebook from the Haymarket, which is a, uh, hey merchant. Or, I'm hey sorry, Haymerchant. Hay, yeah. hay thank you. Which is a a, a, a very well respected Houston uh, sort of craft beer bar destination beer haven for sure. they are they are currently uh you know doing bargain basement prices selling off all the car box that they have because they're getting rid of it and won't carry it anymore uh,
3: is is that, that
0: overreaction that, guys or are uh, they being true to the whole spirit of what craft beer is about
3: oh that's well, i like the framing of and starting that because i was very curious uh, jeremiah as a buyer is very passionate about um, provenance and where things mm-hmm. come from, and so I was going to. I was uh, really curious to see uh, like how he perceives that as a buyer. Um, overreaction, um, you know. There's a lot of beer out there, mm-hmm. and if your uh, if your promise to your consumer is that you're going to have independent beer, uh, then you need to question whether when, that's independent right, or not when right. it when it leaves from that. That said. Um, I, I love that you mentioned Goose Island. Uh, and again, I don't want to get too far because I actually want to hear I want to hear Jeremiah on the buying perspective. But Goose Island, to me, uh, I had a buddy that was an ambassador for them, took me through just after. Uh, and there was a lot of transition. Uh, but really what it did for Goose Island specifically is it took out their 312 and their honkers and they moved it to another brewing site that just focused on that mm-hmm. and relieved a lot of the pressure on the island um, for their standard volume beer and then triple or quadrupled their barrel aging program. So as a craft fan, as someone who's really into their... Really, what you're
0: most concerned about is the beer itself, right? The beer itself,
3: the access to crazy experiments and barrel program, um, that's that's amazing to hear, right? Because they can Mm -hmm. focus... uh, And they they had... uh, Maybe this is speaking out of school a little bit, but they had some turnover. And I think there was a, a question of morality... Like, oh, mm-hmm. these Goose Island brewers, are they not going to work for AB InBev? And then you kind of get the inside scoop. And it's like, well, one thing AB InBev did um, that I think most companies now have to at least think about is uh, drug tests. Uh, uh,
0: so yeah, that's sometimes good it's not
3: a, a moral thing of leaving. It's like, hey, I have my lifestyle and maybe it's not exactly where current laws are. And they move to another Uh, situation. But I think in the Goose Island case, you basically get to double down on investment on things that maybe, as a beer fan, you would really want. But I don't know how that answers...
0: Yeah, and I I guess that's, to me, the biggest question is, what I would be most concerned about, personally, is just, how's this going to affect the beer? Like, does this mean they'll have more resources to try more crazy new styles and come across something really, really awesome than they might have if this hadn't happened? Or does it mean that it's going to start becoming mass produced in a way that maybe the quality won't maintain over time the same way as as what we've come to expect?
2: That's that's kind of like, I guess for me, I live at the weird crossroads as as the guy buying the beer to sell is on one hand, I'm excited for that part. But for me, it's I can't say whether it's an overreaction or an underreaction for them, because for me personally, like. The one side, I guess, that for Carbach that makes it exceptional for me is I don't carry a very huge beer portfolio as the restaurant that mm-hmm. we're in. But what I do know is I have a lot of international diners, and they'll say, "Well, give me something local."
0: Right. Then and when I, and, and I do that when I go Carbock anywhere else. I let me taste something to. I can't get at home or at least yeah, don't got, know to got, get. Got
2: at home. right on one of my taps. Right. You know, is ready to go. Um, so for me, like, and and to go along with the sort of provenance part, is you know. Taking a beer that was a stanchion of sort of being like the big local, you know, you basically had two powerhouses in St. Arnold and Carbondale,
3: mm-hmm. and that was
2: kind of like the one-two punch. Everything else was just sort of, you know, the, you make what you make. The other sure, and right. We, you know, you get the little little niche beers. You know, like we talked mm-hmm. about the last episode, the Eighth Wonder, Eighth uh, Wonder. Rocket Fuel. That's you know, that's you got certain beers. Fantastic. That, yes. So for me, it has kind of yet to be seen because I won't really know how it affects me as a seller. Unless I see, like, my demand for the Carbox products I have drop because of it. Right. But I don't necessarily think here, um, from my particular seller end of it. Right. You know, I like at Hamer's, you have people going there, you know, specifically for these independent, small, you know, mom and pop, which some of them are maybe bigger now. But, you know, Carbox. Sure. Uh, to me, like, in some ways, like, I, and I had had a conversation with some of my industry buddies about this, where I felt like this was somewhat inevitable that carbach had just been sort of getting so big and so big that inbev you know essentially just ate them to sort of stop their competition because right. now they can now make craft beer that's marketed to the local Houston market but that, that's you know, absolutely so in some right some ways it's kind of smart on their part you know
3: yeah i <clears throat> there's no there's no uh, news that that craft beer is stealing share right that's uh, we, we see that what I think is very interesting, though, that it affects beer differently than spirits, spirits yeah. um, is that there's a locality to beer that is beneficial freshness, mm-hmm. um, local ingredients, seasonality. Um, that really, really matters. For local pride, too. Yes. Local pride, sure. Local pride. sure. Absolutely. Um, and in, in spirits, uh, we're fortunate that uh, our stuff that goes in the bottle, it's safe. We can ship it all over the world, much less you know across a few state lines. So it's a pretty interesting play. Uh, on a bigger company to offer something where where local is going to be tapped into not only for freshness and for uh, availability um, but to, if you have something in the Chicagoland area if you have something mm-hmm. in New Hampshire if you have right. something in Texas then it's kind of sm- it, it's smart in a way that you don't have to make. Bajillions of cans of beer.
0: Right, you just it doesn't service. have to become Bud Light. Uh, no, in terms of how much of it you well, make and distribute all over the country.
2: And again, for me, the part one of the parts that remains yet to be seen is is uh, is is AB InBev going to allow Carbach to keep being Carbach? right at which case a awesome we get Carbach in a much bigger scale and a much bigger market which by the way
0: everyone says in all the news well, reports today is going to be the case sure. but as we know that isn't always the case absolutely in these well, and, you know we kind
2: of talked so, about this uh off air at one of the breaks where it's also you know it's about how's that parent company going to let them be themselves for example mm-hmm. you know I'll, I'll go back to the william grant because we talked about that earlier is you know william grant has a great line of lots of different products that aren't necessarily all just the upper echelon of whiskey Mm -hmm. so just because you have a company that makes beer that is considered to be the lower echelon of beer that doesn't mean that they can't thrive and succeed by bringing in somebody that does make that that.
0: does make really good craft beer right
2: and and so a prime example of that is once they acquire it how much do they let them stay themselves you know of a company like a like a Diageo picks up a Glenmorangie or another another spirit for example on the spirit end it's are they letting those distillers and craftsmen stay that right. or are they now doing it in these big you know steel tons and they're losing right. character and they're you know
0: and I'll mention this too as we uh, wrap up this segment um, I have a friend who uh, is with a, um, a, a an up and coming Tequila company, and I don't want to say which one because of what I'm going to tell you about it. They are at a real crossroads right now because they've manufactured their product, it's been proven to be a great product, and people like it. They've expanded it as far as they can across the United States, and right now they're at this money point that if they don't find some fairly big investment, it may not be able to continue to even grow. So, something like this for them, and they're not in this place Right now, but something like this for them could be a godsend about keeping the brand alive. So we gotta wrap this segment. We didn't get to do our beer tasting, so when we come back, I'm gonna taste this crate sour that uh, <laughs> that Jonathan has brought because I'm really excited about it. It's Sip Smoke and Saver. Sip, smoke, and savor. It's these shows, uh, Ian, that I wish were like an hour and a half because we've got like so much stuff we could talk about and uh, so much like so much great knowledge in the room. You the know,
1: conversations are so fun yeah. this way.
0: and I'm already looking forward to like after the show is over talking. And I'm realizing well, we won't be able to share that with everybody. So, <laughs> right. Uh, so, you know, maybe we should do extra long uh, episodes uh, occasionally. We'll have to think about that. Um, we are live at uh, what we call the B&B here locally. It is uh, B&B Butchers and Restaurant in Houston on Washington Ave at 1814 Washington Ave. We recommend the B&B very highly for not only their very well-curated spirit selection, uh, but also for the food, which is fantastic. So, it is amazing. Yeah, it really, really is. So... Um, Jeremiah, uh, I know you guys, you mentioned you had seven, eight Balvini uh, items in your portfolio. I just brought in a couple
2: extra ones today for an event that we actually have this evening.
0: Okay, so tell me about that. And I know this event, you mentioned this um, off the air, is a private event. uh, Yes. But how do you get invited to these super cool private events that Um, are going
2: on? So basically what we're doing tonight, and one of the reasons that we are so fortunate to have Jonathan Wingo in as the brand ambassador, is uh, we are hosting a Balvini Warehouse event. So basically, uh, Balvini Warehouse 24, you can become a member. uh, It gets you access to tastings like this. Uh, It absolutely, you know, lots and lots of benefits. There's lots of extra educational stuff. Um, But it's a really great way to sort of stay involved um, with Balvini as like new products. There are certain products that don't come out every year. Right. um, Certain products that have specific times of year that they come out. I know we had talked about some of the tons that typically are later year releases. So it's just a great way to stay involved with a a company like Balvini. And I mean, we support them very heavily here. Uh, along with some of the other products under the umbrella. Uh, it's just a really solid company, and events like these, they're a great opportunity for somebody who maybe is familiar with Balvenie to come and be more familiar with, A, something they already like, or perhaps see a release that they haven't gotten to touch with their mm-hmm. hands or mm-hmm. taste. You know, maybe it's a release that they didn't get the chance because it was allocated, so now they can check it out and say, hey, I want to be on the, on the waiting list for that already for next year.
0: Uh, so uh, Jonathan, is it a code word secret decoder ring what uh, how do you how do you get uh, involved in being a member of the warehouse uh? yeah
3: so we uh, we have a sign up online so there's two ways to do it you can um, sit in a class if you find out about a kind of mm-hmm. a public tasting right uh, then we will have sign ups there at the tasting is uh, that
0: like what Ian and I uh, attended was that a public tasting or was that
3: that was uh, invite was an invite okay yeah, uh, and but similar things like that. So Warehouse mm-hmm. 24 members uh, had first dibs at that, for okay, example, gotcha. um, for that uh, the uh, screening of raw craft. So um, as Jeremiah said, there, there's a standard tasting, and then there's like these kind of cheeky, very limited mm-hmm. uh, whiskeys. And you can imagine we can't do those at a... It, just anywhere, right? Can,
0: and it, you can't do them on a huge scale, either. These right. are you know so very limited things.
3: Yeah, pretty pretty small, pretty exclusive, and it always has to be with a really great partner that um, celebrates all kind of the more esoteric uh, side of the, the line. So, yeah, you can go to thebalvani.com and sign up for Warehouse 24, uh, or you can just, uh, when you come to one of our tastings, you can sign up.
0: And uh, tell me the website
2: for B&B. Uh, our website is just bbbutchers.com
0: bbbutchers.com
2: yeah, there's no end for saying that's something i always like to remind people so it's 3 a, and butchers.com it's
0: a beautiful website if you go to it i guarantee you will look at that and yes. go i'm eating there like yeah, it's it's it's, amazing. it's really really it's well amazing. done our chef's so, do a great job tommy yeah.
2: obasheri our executive chef and Ken Laszlo is a butcher, man, they do a great job. So, so uh, I'm going to let you gentlemen all start tasting. Uh, I just want to thank you guys for having me.
0: Sure, and thank you for having us. And if we come back, can we do some food and uh, whiskey Absolutely, fairings?
2: man. You guys are always love welcome to do, to do that, a show so. here. We'll, we'll do a 90 minute or We'll do lunch and everything. I love it. I uh, love it. Care, That's guys. terrific.
0: So uh, I want to jump right into this beer to make sure we have time to do this tasting. And thanks uh, again to Jeremiah Butler uh, from B&B Butchers and Restaurant, which is where we are live for Sip, Smoke, and Savor. And now we're going to taste... Perhaps the most oddly colored beer I've ever seen. Uh, it it now, looks like Jonathan, almost you brought unfiltered this. grapefruit juice. Yeah, yeah, you brought this. <laughs> First of all, how did you find out about it? Secondly, where'd you get it? Uh-huh. And uh, yeah. and because it, it, it looks like it might be one of those things that's a bit rare.
3: It is. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I really there's a lot of great context to this brewery. So it's called Crate Brewery. Um, they're from London. Uh, just in it turns out if you work for a UK company and you're uh mm-hmm. find yourself to Scotland a lot. Uh, you can find yourself in London and through other happenstances. I have a, uh, quite a bit of friends in London. Uh, so I try to make it out there a couple times a year just to hang out. And there's this in the east part of London. It's very, very hip, right? It's where, yeah. the, where the art is, where the where the hip kids go. And in Hackney Wick, there's this great canal access. So if you can imagine like a very dreary day in London, um, just kind of head down. Everybody's got their their Get jackets their, on. Yeah. For some reason... Every single time I've gone to this this brewery that's like literally it's a pizza uh, pizzeria I guess <laughs> yeah. pizzeria and brewery pizza brewery oh. <laughs> <Pizzeruary>. uh, <laughs> right up against the canal it is impeccably sunny Really? And you sit out on picnic tables. I didn't you know it
0: was sunny in uh, London.
3: It's uh, only London. maybe in
0: this one <laughs> spot. So, so they have their sunbeam that comes
3: yeah, down.
1: it's kind of like the roof. It's I just imagine open. the music that goes, oh. <laughs> <you know? laughs>
3: it is a very special place. Uh, you can go and get incredibly great craft beer. Um, this particular sour I thought was funny because it's kind of the promise of something exotic in London with the sun out and you're having pizza. Uh, you kind of forget that you're in this amazing uh, like megalopolis. So I actually um, legally smuggled this back in a can. I thought because it was in a can, it would make it uh, okay. Uh, but I've, I've had a few of these out on the canal uh, having some pizza, and I just thought it'd be a really fun thing to share.
0: I got to tell you, I just took a sip. That's fantastic.
3: It's like, I haven't
1: tried what, mine it's yet. A, it's a
0: flavor explosion. I haven't tried
1: mine yet, but I have to tell you, it confuses me. It looks like grapefruit juice mm-hmm. with it's, a little yeah. bit of sparkle to it, and it smells a bit like mango. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, like it, it really does smell like mango. And Although then, it's hibiscus,
0: and what did it say? It's a, a, a hibiscus, passion fruit. And passion fruit. Well, there I was going to say you'll get the passion fruit when you taste it. Uh, but it's very, and it is a sour, but it's not overwhelmingly sour. Nope. it's which sour, I, but it's really just more a little tart than sour. Right, yep. and you and I have talked about this with sours before, Ian. The, those are the ones we have a tendency to prefer, right. is the ones that are almost more tart than they are sour. Hey, well, that that doesn't stop me from drinking a good Petrus once in a while. That's really sour, but <laughs> yeah.
1: this is really delightful. It's nice, light. It's a little warm out here, so it hits the. Palette nice and the beer itself is not all that cold at the moment it tastes great yeah so it's
3: really it's also three and a half percent which is very so sessionable yeah, yeah, yeah very, sessionable. very
0: much so uh, i could uh, you know i wouldn't have thought this seeing it be poured into the uh, glass but I could see, you know, sitting around on a summer afternoon, this being very, very refreshing. Oh, you know? it is.
3: Yeah, it's it really I, I wanted to give you the context of the only sunshine in London, because that really <laughs> plays into it. The, really it's, yeah, it, it really does. It really does. the story, right? Yeah, yeah
0: absolutely. Well, uh, very impressive. And uh, so we don't know of this being available as an import anywhere in the U.S., do we? Oh, no. It uh,
3: maybe makes it. Very, it makes rarely, it a couple blocks. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It makes it just into East London. Uh, it's a small concern. I mean, it's fun that they have these these canneries. I mean, you can tell by the the label on here. I guess to describe it, it's a it's a very like a naked aluminum can, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the label on it uh, is. Uh, Almost like like a, like it was hand-lettered. It, yeah. has, it has the name like, of the brewers on it. Yep. It's got a, it
1: has <laughs> all the other pertinent information. I have to tell you, it's, it's so uncluttered compared yes. to like what we get here yeah. because you have to have all the warnings and everything else.
0: Right, That's right. So a picture of this is on our uh, Facebook page of this and the other beer that we're about to try. Mm. And I encourage you to go and look at it because I, I don't want to tease our listeners with something they can't get, but this is something that if you are in the U.K., you need to seek this out. And find it and enjoy it. Yeah. I, and just, have a pizza. As, yeah, as an experiential,
3: convince people to go to very far east London and hide This thing is hidden away in a in a warehouse district on the canal. It's it's a great little find, I should say. Love it. Absolutely if love it. If I go it. to
0: London, I'm going to time it when you're there because I bet
1: that would be a good time.
0: <laughs> I want to make sure we uh, give day. ourselves time to taste this other one. So tell us about the uh, New Glarus Brewing Company, Wisconsin Belgian Red.
3: So I think this uh, really uh, fits well with the rest of the conversation. There's uh, certain craft and independent uh, breweries that uh, have gotten to a a size uh, that is large. I mean, it's frankly, it's large. They make a lot of beer, and they service their region very well. Um, But a lot of people don't get to taste New Glarus outside of that kind of Midwest area. Right, right. Right. so my favorite, uh, New Glarus is very good at making clean beers, in my opinion. They make very, very clean beers, um, which for my uh, uh, beer-loving fans, that's a, an impressive thing to do. Uh, I typically lean towards their seasonal uh, beers. So their Raspberry Tart, for example, I think is phenomenal. And what we're having here is their Wisconsin Red. Um, it's a world champion. So it's a Wisconsin ale brewed with cherries. Wow.
1: Okay. And I'm always a little suspect when I see ale brewed, uh, brewed with fruit. Yes Just because a lot of times it really? tends to be really sweet. Right. Um and but that's been proven us wrong over the last few episodes when we've had some we've of We've talked these about too. that.
0: Yes. And and you know we did uh, our last episode was the Halloween episode and we did You know, pumpkin ales, like, galore. Right, Uh, And we were amazed at how many of them were... I think they're evolving. I think that's what's happening is instead of just tossing a bunch of
1: pumpkin and sweet in there, same thing with a lot of the newer ones. This smells amazing. It has a
0: very dark, sort of an unfiltered, uh, very kind of a deep amber, almost brown uh, look to it. And uh, you're right. It smells great. Ian, you're about to take that first sip. What do you think?
3: Mm -hmm -hmm.
0: Oh, wow.
1: It's very cherry. It almost tastes... Almost like a lambic, almost. Um, it's yeah. it's, uh, it's sweet. It's big and sweet. It's got a dryness but, on the tail end of the
0: flavor and a little bit of tartness, too. I was just about to say it has that little bit of tartness, which I'm a big fan of cherry pie. Right. That's my, one of my favorite desserts in the world is a really good cherry pie with a scoop of vanilla bean ice cream on top. Well, I, your and, cherries just aren't that sweet
1: in the first place. No, they're yeah, not. And this right. has
0: some of that on the finish, especially has right. that tartness that a great bite of cherry pie has and I know that doesn't necessarily sound like something you would want in a beer but I like it I yeah, like no, it a lot. I, <laughs> I
3: think the I think there's ways to um, not do this well but if your base beer is I mean you're already with Belgian yeast you're getting that you're gonna get a sweet kind of like candy coating nose and I think the the, the sweetness that we're getting is the malt and the, the, right. the yeast. So I think it's a fun little. What's
1: really interesting is my first sip of this, I got so much sweet right up front.
3: It almost took me
0: back so much, yes. But
1: the second and third sip of this actually develop, and you get to know the flavor a little better, and it, it becomes better even.
0: Look for the picture of this on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Sip Smoke and Savor. Uh, Jonathan Wingo from Balvini, uh, we are out of time, and I wish we uh, had more because we're, we're just loving uh, everything we're tasting here. This has been really amazing. a great episode. I would, I would wear it like um, cologne. Ian, on the next show, I want to come back to a little bit of what we uh, thought of the pairing of this whiskey and these cigars, because we didn't get to spend as much time on that as I would like. So we'll talk about that on next I
1: week's show. I have notes on that, yeah. Yeah,
3: oh, awesome. So,
0: Jonathan, thank you again, and we hope you'll come back on the show. This was a great deal of fun. Oh, no, absolutely. And, uh, I'll we be are part <laughs> of that large format show. And give me, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. The one with the steak, right? That's yeah. what we're talking about. Uh, give me the uh, website address one, one more time.
3: Yeah, we're at the thebalveni.com.
0: Thebalveni.com. Alright, thank you guys for listening We have loved doing this show Thanks to the B&B and to uh, Jonathan Wingo It's cruising and Ian saying cheers Hit us up on Facebook For Sip, Smoke, and satellite.
1: This is Radio Brave
0: Keep listening It gets even better. Now let's do it up. Radio Brave.